0: Well, as you know, this week we are going to be celebrating Independence Day, and so I thought that probably a good idea was to to talk about independence, talk about freedom, and the freedom that Jesus offers people. And so, if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking today in John chapter eight and verse number thirty. So, if you want to go ahead and turn there, we're going to look in verses thirty through thirty six in just a few moments. And uh, there's an interesting story back in, it was actually uh, July 28th, or excuse me, January 28th, 1945 during World War II. There were 121 Army Rangers that were selected for a mission to go and rescue, I believe it was 513 POWs, American and British soldiers, in the Philippines, now, whenever they came into the barracks to rescue the men, the men who had been POWs for more than three years at this point, were so their, their minds were so messed up that whenever the rescuers came, they ran away from them. They were scared. Until one of the men said, We have come to bring you freedom. Now, when they heard freedom, man, they started bailing out of there. And so they were getting the men out of the barracks. They were rescuing them. And one American soldier went into the barracks, he said, we have gotten everybody we, that we can. He said, is there anybody left? And he's shouting it out. Nobody replied. And so they, they got back onto their ships and they left rescuing as many men as possible. Well, it just so happened that there was one man named Edwin Rose who was on latrine duty that night. And for some reason, he did not know what was going on. And so whenever he went back into the barracks to go back to bed, it was dark, and he did not notice that there was nobody in his barracks. So he laid down, went to sleep, woke up the next morning, and you can imagine he was a little bit shocked when he looked around and there was nobody in the barracks. And I thought, if, if I was alive back then, that guy would have been me. Now the question was, how in the world... Did he miss out on a rescue mission that involved over 500 men? Well, here's what happened. Since he had been in that camp, he had lost his hearing and he had gone deaf. So he did not hear the call for freedom. And I believe that there are many people today, as, as we live in this world, as we live in a world that's filled with darkness, as we live in a world where we are trying to make it on our own, where we're trying to find peace and fulfillment and we go after things that we think are going to provide that for us, we become deaf to the things of God and God is calling out for us to have freedom and yet we don't hear his message. And so the question is, well, how do we find that freedom? How can we hear the message of freedom that God gives well, that's why we're looking in John chapter 8 today, because I believe as we look into that scripture, you're going to see that Jesus calls people to freedom. Now, we, we live in a world where we are subject to the laws and the nature of this world. Here is in a simple, you know, sort of in a nutshell, here's the world. This is the rules of the world. You live, and then you die, right? I mean, that just, that just sort of happens to everybody. That's, that's the rules that we live by. We live and then we die. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I know about me. Here's what I know about me. The living part, I can deal with that. The dying part, I'm trying to figure out a way. How can I get to a place where I can just sort of skip over that? How, how can I get to a place where I have freedom from death? Well, here's the neat thing is that Scripture actually has a prescription for us on how to have life, how to discover freedom from the laws of this world. All right, so, so what, what, what do we do? Well, I'm going to give you a little bit of background from our text in John 8, verses 30 through 36. What's going on up to this point, you can read the first seven, eight chapters of John, and you'll see Jesus has come around. He's entered into our world The Bible says in in John chapter 1 that God came into our world in flesh and he made his dwelling among us. Jesus. Jesus shows up. You read about his life. He comes into contact with people. He heals people. He forgives people. He gives an incredible message that brings fulfillment and brings life. Now, you'd think everybody would be excited about that message, But in in modern-day terms, there were some guys in the church, so to speak, we'll just say like preachers, who were not real excited about Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus was getting bigger crowds than they were. And so they wanted to knock Jesus down a notch. They didn't like what he was doing. And so Jesus began to approach these religious leaders, and he began to tell them, he says, you're living in darkness. So you guys don't have freedom. You think that you have freedom. But you are subject to the laws of this life, of this universe, because you've not cast your lot with me. I don't want to be in in that group of people. I want to be in the group that has life. And so how do I find independence and freedom from the things of this world? And, And Jesus addresses this in our text today by just simply sharing a few steps that really do lead to independence in life. And so what are some steps that can lead us to real freedom and independence? So the very first thing I see is if you want independence in your life, have belief. Have a belief in Jesus. Now I want, you, I want you to look with me in verses 30 and 31. It says, as Jesus was saying these things, it says, many believed in him. And so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, he says, you really are my disciples. So that's really, that's sort of a really important verse there. Jesus says, okay, he speaks as people believe in him. He says, if you're really my disciples, he says, then you will continue in my word. Now, a lot of people were believing in Jesus, a lot of people were following Jesus. And so the religious leaders came along and and they want to do whatever they can to knock Jesus down a notch so, so that so many people would quit following after him. And so they came up, you know, whenever you read the New Testament, you'll see these religious guys coming up and they're asking Jesus these, kind of, these questions that are kind of tricky. And in John chapter 8, they, they pulled off what looked like a pretty good one. They, they caught a woman, they said, in the act of adultery. And so they, they get the woman and they bring her before Jesus and they say, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. What should we do with her? Now, this was not some innocent question. That They were doing this to get Jesus into trouble because here's what's going on. You know, they wanted Jesus. Now, by law, according to the book of Leviticus, probably a book not many of you spend a lot of time in, but if you look in the book of Leviticus, it's all about these laws and rules and regulations. And according to the law, if one of God's people were caught in adultery, the Bible said in the law you were to stone her to death. Now Jesus's answer by law was we should take her out and stone her to death. Now they were living though under Roman rule, right? So you know Israel's under the under Caesar. Now, according to Roman rule, you you could not sentence anybody to death without a Roman judge. So if Jesus said stone her to death, he's going to get in trouble with the Romans. But on the other hand, if Jesus says, don't do anything with her, he's going to get in trouble for breaking the law that's found in the Old Testament. So the religious guys, they thought, we got him here. He's in trouble. I mean, in John 8, 6, it says, they asked this question to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. So their motive was not real positive here. Their motive is to get Jesus into trouble so that people won't follow him. Now, I'm not going to read this text because that's not where we are today, but you can find out how Jesus responded. And you might remember the response. He who is without sin, let him what? Cast the first stone. So Jesus, instead of answering one way or the other, he says, hey guys, I'm going to leave that judgment up to you. He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And you might remember they just all sort of like dropped their rocks and just like walked off dejectedly because they're like, he got us again. Now, here's what the Bible says about Jesus. This is why people were astonished with who Jesus was. Matthew 7, 28 and 29 says, when Jesus had finished this sermon, the crowds, it says they were astonished at his teaching. Uh, most of the time, for most of us as pastors, is they were sleeping during his preaching. They were astonished at it. He's incredible. He was teaching them like one who had authority and not like one of the scribes. Now, because he was such an incredible teacher, he gave wisdom and light to people. What did people do? The Bible says they were believing in Jesus. Now, what were they believing? What were they believing about him? They were believing that he was the Messiah. They were believing that he truly was God's son. They were believing that he was the son of God who came in order to take away the penalty of sin for man. Now, is that really who Jesus was? Well, Jesus said in verse 24, he said, if you do not believe that I am he, in other words, the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus said, you will die in your sins. So, so what's the first step to independence? It's, it's belief. It's believing in Jesus, believing that he is the Son of God. And if you look at the end of verse number 31, Jesus said, if you really believe, he said, then you will continue in my word, and then we will know that you really are my disciples. Now, I love that word. The word continue, here's what's interesting about it. That word, he says, if you continue in my word, that word continue, it means reside. Jesus said, if you reside in my word. Now, here's how I picture that. If you reside somewhere, that means it is a place where you live, right? And Jesus said, my word. So he says, if you reside in my house, then you will have life. Now, whenever you go to someone else's house, do you ever go there and then after you've been there for a couple of days, come in and say, hey, you know what, I think you need to, you need to move your furniture, you know, in your living room, I you know I don't really actually I don't like it very much. You need to get some new furniture, and I need to go into the master bedroom. Now, if that is a guest in your house, wh- what are you going to be thinking? And for some of you, what are you going to be saying? Say this is my house. Now, if you're in my if you reside in my house, you're going to live according to my rules. Now, I'm not asking children here, parents. How many of y'all agree with that? Amen, brother. It's probably the only time I'm going to amen in here. You're right. That's my house. And if you live in my house, then you live according to my rules. You live according to my regulations. You put yourself under the authority of the one who owns the house. That's Jesus here. He said, if you reside in my house, you're going to follow my leadership. Now, here's what I've discovered. I know a lot of people who like to spend the night every now and then in God's house. Now, they don't want to reside there forever because there's some things they are like, you know, I like being there two or three days, but then I start looking at some of the demands and some of the, some of the leadership that he gives, and I don't agree with everything, so whenever I don't agree, I'm just going to step outside the house. Now, if you do that, that that's playing. That's playing house. Jesus said, if you're my disciples, you will reside in my house. And, and many of us, though, we don't want to put ourselves under completely under his leadership. Let me try to give you an example on, on March the 2nd, 1962, Wilt Chamberlain, the incredible basketball player, scored more points in an NBA game than anybody else ever did. Y'all you know how many points it was? 100 points. 100 points in a game. Nobody's come close to that ever since 1962. Kobe Bryant scored uh, 81, I think 81 points in 2006. I mean, that's, that's still 19 short of Wilt Chamberlain's record. Now, Wilt Chamberlain was a notoriously horrible free throw shooter. He was really terrible. But during that game, he made 28 out of 32 free throws. Phenomenal, especially for him. Now, how did he do it? Did you know during that game when he shot free throws, he shot them all granny style? Underhanded. Uh, Rick Barry, the greatest free throw shooter in NBA history, that's how he shot them all. You're much more accurate. It's a better way to shoot free throws. But did you know after that season, Wilt Chamberlain never shot granny style again? Isn't that weird? You know why he didn't? Here's what he said. He said, I will not shoot that way again because I felt like a sissy when I shot that way. Isn't that interesting? So here's a guy who scored more points, who could help his team win more games, Shooting granny style, but he wouldn't do it because it made him look like a sissy. And I think that's crazy, but you know, we do it all the time. When it comes to following Jesus, being obedient to his word, living according to his commands, a lot of us say, I know that it works, I know that it leads to a good place, but I'm not going to do it because it makes me look like a sissy. And so what happens? We never reach the potential and the place that God wants us to reach. You know, if you decide to go your own way and reside in your own house instead of God's house, I promise you, it always leads it always leads to death. Never works out like you think. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin, going your own way, is death. So you goes, well, how do I get out of that? reside in his house, follow his leadership, put yourself under his leadership and trust him. Then what happens if I do that? Well, the end of Romans 6.23 is this, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So, So then how do I discover independence? Jesus says it begins with belief. He says you can also discover independence in knowing the truth. You want independence in your life? Then know the truth. Seek truth. At verse number 32, it says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Have you all heard that phrase before? You might not have known it, but Jesus said that. He said, Now, if you believe, if you reside in his house, then Jesus said, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So then the context of the scripture here, the religious leaders wanted to disprove the authority and the identity of Jesus. So, so who's Jesus? Well, if you go back to verse number 12, Jesus said, I am the light, the light of the world. Now, if he's the light of the world, you know what that means about the world? It means we're in darkness. Naturally, we are we are walking in darkness as people. And the book of Ephesians it says we are by nature against God. Isn't that interesting? In your very nature, you want to be disobedient. That, that's true for me. When somebody says, this is the best way for you, you should not go here, my instincts, I shouldn't go here, and I, I start walking over there. And I, I don't know why that is, other than I'm just stupid. But you know, when somebody says, don't go here, my instinct is, I'm, I'm going there, because there's a hole in the ground, and it's going to suck me into it, and I'm going to die. And, I, I, and so I just choose that. Well, our nature is to be disobedient, God. So God says, Jesus says, you are in darkness but I am light. Now now what does light do? It helps you see, right? It helps you see. It helps you see all the places where you shouldn't be. It helps you to avoid obstacles that are in your way. It helps you in the morning, even whenever you don't want to see, it helps you in the morning to see what you really look like. And say, oh my gosh, I need some corrections in my life. Now, if you live in the darkness, you don't, you don't see. And let me tell you something. There's sometimes I see people and I think, ooh, they got ready in the darkness. They shouldn't do that. Yeah, you know, we, we need the light. And Jesus says, I am the light. And if you're in the light, you don't bump into things that harm you. So, so then how, how does that happen for us? Well, so Verse 31 is a hint. Jesus said, you continue in my word. You reside in my word. You root yourself down in my word. And when you do that, he said, then you will know truth. The word know, it means to comprehend, to understand. means to have knowledge. And when you have knowledge and you act on it, then Jesus says you will be set free. Set free from what? Set free from the darkness. Being able to see what the truth is. Now, the religious leaders of the day, that's not what they said. They said, you want to be right with God? Then they said, you, you, follow, you follow rules. And so, so they took the first five books of the Bible and they condensed it down into 613 rules and regulations. They said, you want to be right with God? Follow 613 rules and regulations. And so what happened is that, man, it really it, it caused bondage and depression with people. You ever tried to follow 613 rules and regulations? Hey, follow these rules, you're going to be right with God. I, th- I can't even do 10. You know the Ten Commandments. I'm struggling there. And they have 613. And so the people were living in bondage because they couldn't pull it off. You know, nobody can, can follow 613 rules and regulations all of the time. And then the Bible is very clear in James 2.10. It says, for whoever keeps the entire law and yet fails at just one point of it, the Bible says you're guilty of breaking them all. Now, if you're, if you're going to try to live life based on your own performance to impress God, tell you something, you're going to fall short. I'm falling short. We are all guilty. And so what Jesus does is Jesus says, Hey, instead of trying to follow the rules and regulations, trust me. Give yourself to me, and I will take care of you. That's why Ephesians 2 8 and 9 is so special to believers. We are told whoever keeps or excuse me, says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's God's gift. It's not from your works so that no one can boast. It's not by your performance. Jesus says don't don't count on your performance to make you right with me. He said trust in Jesus' performance for you. Give yourself to him. Let me, let me try to give you an example. I I am not a very good swimmer. I could maybe save myself if somebody's drowning. You know if I was in a t- tough situation, if you're drowning, you're going down. I'm not I'm, not, I'm really not, I'm not a good swimmer. I'm good for about maybe a maybe a uh, I don't know, maybe a quarter of a mile. I don't know. But can you imagine if you said, okay, I, I want us to, we're going we're to go to Bermuda, but the way we're going to get there is we're going to leave out of Charleston, but we're going to swim to Bermuda. Now, some of you I know are really, are really good swimmers. Um, we have Megan. She's going to swim on the Columbia College swim team. She's a good swimmer. She would, she would just absolutely destroy me. But let me tell you, it's 883 miles from Charleston to Bermuda. I don't care how good of a swimmer you are. You're not going to make it. Now, if that's if I'm going to get to Bermuda, then how do I get there? If I can't make it on my own, well, the good news is that there are cruise ships in Charleston. And so, what I'm going to do is we're going to go to Bermuda. And you, know, you might hop in the water and go. You might try to swim there. You know, I'm I'm getting on on the cruise ships, and I'm going to enjoy the ride. I'm going to get on there. You know, 24-hour eating, which has got that that's got to be a sin somewhere. But a 24-hour eating, we can sit on that boat, we can relax. I'm I'm going to live under the shelter of the boat. I'm going to have a place to sleep. I'm going basically what I'm doing is I'm enjoying the grace that the ship is offering, so I can get to Bermuda. That's what, in a sense, that's what Jesus is saying. Say on your, if you try to swim your way to God, you're not going to make it. He said, but you can catch me for a ride where you want to go. And he said, you can live under my grace. And I'm going to help you arrive at your destination that you want to get to. You know, Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, you can't get to God on your own trying to swim to Bermuda. So the only way you're going to get there is through Jesus. So when Jesus said in our verse, he said, said, the truth will set you free. John 14, 6 tells us who the truth is. Who's the truth? It is Jesus. So to live independent of this world and its darkness requires you and me to place our lives in the truth of who Jesus is. So who's Jesus? When John the Baptist saw Jesus for the first time, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus the Lamb of God. Jesus is our Redeemer. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our God. Now here's the question, are you operating in the truth? Who is truth? It is Jesus. Are you operating Jesus? Are you recognizing who he is? Because Jesus says if you're going to find independence, he said it begins with belief, and then there's knowing the truth. And here's the last one, quit living in denial. Not living in denial. Verses 33 through 36 are the last verses I'll read. The religious leaders, Jesus said, the truth will set you free. And then here's what the religious leaders said. They said, hey, we're descendants of Abraham, they answered him. And we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? And Jesus answered, I assure you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. Slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. Therefore, if the son sets you free, you really will be free. Now, this, isn't, this is so interesting to me. So Jesus says, hey, guys, here's how you have freedom. Now, you think most people would be like, I'm, I'm pulling out pen and paper. I'm going to write it down. But they didn't do that. Religious leaders heard this. and They say, what do you mean talking to us about being free? We don't need freedom. We're already free. They said, We're related to Abraham. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Well, back in Genesis chapter 12, very first book in the Bible, in Genesis 12, God told Abraham, He said, I'm going to make a great nation out of your descendants. And so the religious leader said, We're his descendants. All Jewish people are the descendants of Abraham. They said, We're, we're a great nation. Because we're related to Abraham. And then they had this weird statement. They said, and you tell us we need to be free. We've never been enslaved to anyone before. I just want to let you know, that is a complete denial of reality right there. They said, we've never been enslaved to anyone. Okay, I'm going to ask you all a question. The book of Exodus. What were the Hebrew people exiting from? Y'all remember? Slavery. Egyptian captivity, about 400 years They said, we have never been enslaved to anyone. Well, what about that book called Exodus? How about the present day? We've never been enslaved to anyone. They were living under Roman rule. They are living in complete denial right here. The other thing they said was, we don't need you, Jesus. We don't need your freedom because we're grandfathered in because of Abraham. He was blessed, therefore we will be blessed because we're related to him. Guys, let me tell you something. You are never grandfathered in in a relationship with God. Hey, I'm okay because my dad, my dad's a preacher, so I'm good. No, that's nothing. The Bible says that each person is responsible for his own actions in his own life. Each person. Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says, Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap corruption from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Each person must give an account for himself. Now, every person is tainted by sin, and sin separates us from God. Not only that, but when we live under our own, our own guide, our own rules, ultimately we're going to be bound up and separated from God the only way we, uh, we can separate ourselves from the penalty of sin is to entrust ourselves to Jesus, to follow his leadership. Now, I look at the response of the religious leaders, and I think, man, how crazy are these guys? Understand that Jesus, they've seen Jesus heal people. They've seen Jesus teach truth. And yet they say, we don't need you, Jesus. We're fine just like we are. Now, they liked to play with the religious stuff, but they weren't completely invested in God. They played, but they weren't invested. They weren't completely invested because they wanted to hang on just to a little piece of this world so they could have control and not give it all to God. And I think there's a lot of us who struggle with that. We want to follow God, but there's some stuff in our lives we're like, God, I will, I will do this for you, but I'm going to hang on to this over here. That's mine, and you can't have it. As we t- when we do that, it's dangerous. Uh, I, our church every year, we go to, we go to Haiti on a, on a mission trip every year, and then there's a story that a Haitian pastor told as a parable, and he said that there's a man who wanted to buy a home for $2,000. Now, I know that here we're like, well, that's a cheap home. In Haiti, that's a tremendous amount of money. So said, I want to buy a home for $2,000. And the man who was a potential buyer, who's really the only one, said, I can't afford it, but I can, I can get up $1,000. And so they made a deal, and they, the guy said, I'll sell it to you for $1,000, but there's one stipulation. He said, I get to own one item in the house. And what is it? He said, I want to own this nail, and I can put it anywhere I want. The guy said, that's fine. I'll, that's a deal. So the guy got the nail, and he just tacked it in right over the front door. And that guy lived there for a while, and after he lived there for a few years, the original owner wanted to get the house back, so he said, I I will pay for the house, I'll buy it back from you. The guy refused, and that's my house. The guy said, well, it is your house, except for that one nail. So he went out, and he found the carcass of a dead dog, and he hung it on that nail over that guy's front door. Now, the guy wanted to take it down, he said, you can't take it down, said, that's my nail. I own that. And so it stayed up, and it finally got so bad, the man was overwhelmed with how horrible it was, and so he ended up selling the house back to the original owner. Now, the Haitian pastor said, here's the moral of the story. He said, if we leave the devil with even one small peg in our life, he will return to hang his rotting garbage on it, making it unfit for Christ's habitation. A lot of us, we want to play in following Jesus, but we hang on to certain things. Guys, whenever we hang on to certain things and our certain sins in our life, we don't surrender our lives to God. Satan is going to grab that nail and he's going to hang his garbage on it. And it's going to separate you from God. And so the the question is, well, how do I I quit living in denial and live in the freedom that Jesus says that he offers? It, It begins with this. It's admitting your condition. What's our condition? we're sinful. We are in need of a Savior, of a Redeemer. Now, if I do that, then what happens? Well, there's actually Scripture that points out to us how to do that and what happens. It's Romans 10, 9, and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, the Bible says you shall be saved. It says one believes with the heart. And when you believe in your heart, it says it results in righteousness. And one confesses with the mouth. And that results in salvation. Now I know this, we all love the idea of freedom. We live in a nation that is known for freedom. And yet I see most people who are in bondage. They're in bondage to sin. They're living life under their own rules, and here's what always happens. They're never satisfied. They're never fulfilled. They're left wanting. They feel empty. I talk to people time and time again, and before they are finished, I can always tell them what's down the road for them. Say, so listen, you, you continue on this path. I can tell you where you're going to end up. And it's not because I have a crystal ball. You also said, I've talked to a lot of people. And life without Jesus always ends up depression, it always ends up in unfulfillment. So, how can we be free? Well, Jesus points out some steps. He says, believe. No truth. Quit living in denial. Now, do you want freedom? A lot of you have freedom already. You have freedom in Jesus. And you need to simply tell God, say, as we celebrate Independence Day, I'm grateful for this country. You know what? I'm more grateful for what Jesus has done for me. And some of us as believers, we need to tell Jesus, thank you for what real freedom is. But there are others of you who don't have freedom. don't, Don't miss the opportunity. Take advantage of the freedom Jesus offers. Don't quit trying to swim to Bermuda. You're not going to make it. Get on board with Jesus.